Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Wednesday broadcast of Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett coming to you from Hickory Ridge Community Church, and we are so glad that you listened to the broadcast, and today is Wednesday, and every Wednesday night starting September the 8th, we have the Awana program. Now, if you'd like more information about this, you can call us at 421-7500-757-421-7500, or you can go to our website, hrcc7.org, and that will tell you everything that you need to know about our Awana ministry. Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 8 o'clock, we'd love to have your children or your grandchildren come and be part of that. That is for ages 3 all the way up through 5th grade. And then once they get into the 6th grade, they become part of the Ridge Student Ministry that we have. Pastor Jimmy would love to meet your child, so come on and be part of what God is doing. Well, today we're going to be looking at a journey of joy. We want to look at things that will attack us and cause us to lose our joy. We're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And I've entitled this message, When My Pride is Attacked. Now, somebody once said, if you're going to live up to your fullest potential, you will face attacks in the area of pride. You know, not anybody wants you to live up to your fullest potential. And if you are giving your all to be all that God wants you to be, you're going to have people that are going to come against you. King Saul had the honor of being Israel's first king, but his life turned into a tragedy for one reason. Saul did not trust God. He didn't fully obey. He didn't fully engage himself in obedience. And we know this is true because Samuel tells what happened. He tells of how he was defeating his enemies, but he wasn't fully obeying God And as a result of that, God had to say, Samuel, go to Saul. And as you go to Saul, I want you to know that he's not going to be anointed as king forever. Well, Saul looked like royalty, tall and handsome and noble when he became king at the age of 30. He reigned over Israel for 42 years. Now, early in his career, he made a fatal mistake, and that one fatal character flaw kept him from being all that he could have been. He disobeyed God, and he disobeyed God by not completely obeying what God wanted him to do. I guess you could say the sad story is found in 1 Samuel 15. It's actually a record of what's going to happen in his life. God said to Saul, the Amalekites are to be destroyed, and all their possessions are to be destroyed as God has commanded you, because he did not follow through. The Lord withdrew his favor from Saul and had Samuel the prophet anoint David as king instead. We see that in 1 Samuel chapter 15. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in birth offerings and sacrifices as as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry, because you have rejected the word of the Lord." He has rejected you as king. It's a sad chapter when you think about it. You know, sometime later, David had killed that giant Goliath. As the Jewish women were dancing in a victory parade, they sang a song. And we know the words of that song. It's found in 1 Samuel 18, verses 8 and 9. Here's a song they sang. Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Well, Saul was ticked off. We discover that Saul was very angry. This song displeased him greatly. 
They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can I get from him? Or what more can he get from me except the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. David was running for his life. All of these years, you know, David was anointed to be king around age 15, and so 15 years he spends running from Saul. All because the people made more of David's single victory than all of Saul's victories put together. The king goes into this rage and he becomes jealous of David. From that moment on, he plotted to kill him. Now, jealousy is a terrible sin. Jealousy is a pride-driven sin. You know, instead of building up Israel... King Saul spent most of his time chasing David through the hills. David, however, respected God's anointing of the king, and despite several opportunities, he refused to harm Saul. Maybe you're in a position where you have an opportunity to harm somebody who is in a position of authority over you. Now, I'm not saying you don't speak out against something that is wrong, but I'm saying that if you're only speaking out because you're jealous, you better hold your tongue. Because jealousy, that one-eyed monster, will end up destroying you. We discover that the Philistines gather this huge group of people together, and they go up against the Israelites. By that time, Saul had died, and and King Saul, uh, Samuel rather, had died, and King Saul was desperate. He wanted to have victory, and so what does he do? He goes and he consults a medium, uh, one who is practicing divination, and told her uh, what he should ask, what what should I do? And as we look at this, we discover that this demon disguised as Samuel or or Samuel's true spirit sent by God predicts disaster for Saul. In the battle, King Saul and the army of Israel are overrun and Saul commits suicide. His sons were killed by the enemy. We read in 1 Samuel 31 verses 4 through 6, Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and run me through. Or these uncircumcised fellows, they will come and they will abuse me. But his armor bearer was terrified and would not do it. So Saul took his own sword and he fell on it. And when the armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he too fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul and his three sons and his armor bearer and all the men died together that same day. As I think about the life of King Saul, my heart kind of sympathizes toward him because Saul was chosen by God himself to be the very first king of Israel. Saul defeated many of the enemies of the country, including the Ammonites and the Philistines and the Moabites and the Amalekites. He united and he gathered together the tribes and and he had great strength and he reigned for 42 years. Unbelievable when you think about the strength that King Saul had. But King Saul didn't depend on God completely. You know, God wants us to depend on him. When we do not, and we depend on our own strength and our own wisdom, we open ourselves to disaster. You know, God also wants us to give to him uh, all that we have, all of our sense of worth, everything that we have, give it over to God. You know, Saul became very jealous of David, and that jealousy of David blinded Saul to what God had already given him. You see, life with God has direction and purpose, and without God, you lose your direction. You lose your purpose. In Proverbs 8, 13, it says, The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. 
We learn that pride leads to arguments in Proverbs 13. So be humble, take advice, and become wise. So how do you handle those defining moments of your life? And how you handle those moments will determine how high you fly. You see, when your pride is crushed, you grow past your hurts. God is able to take you to new levels and to use you to a greater degree. I found the ability to live in unity with others is vital to success. And if I'm going to be unified in living with the lives of others, I must be a person of humility. You know, I tell the guys at Indian Creek Correctional Center often, if you stay humble, you will never stumble. Well, let's talk about what creates joy and how we can have the unity that we need to have joy. Looking at Philippians chapter 2, verse number 2. Paul says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. So here we learn that the secret to joy, in spite of my circumstances, is to have a single mind. The secret to joy, in spite of people, is to have a submissive mind. So a single mind is that I'm going to please God, I'm going to please Christ in everything that I do. I'm going to have joy in that I'm going to be submissive, submitting to Christ. My mind focused on Him, my actions submitted to Him. And as a result, you'll discover that you will live a life of joy. You see, if you want to find out what a worker is really like, don't give him responsibilities. Give him privileges. You see, most people can handle responsibilities if you pay them enough. But it actually takes a really surrendered person to handle privileges. You know, a strong Christian will use his privileges to help others. A weak Christian will use his privileges to promote himself. Jesus used his privileges for our sake. So let's look at this subject of how can we reduce conflict with others. Well, the first step is found in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 3. Never let pride be my guide. Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Value others above yourself. So this is a hidden giant, right? We've got to face this hidden giant. And this hidden giant is this, is that we tend to think of ourselves as just a little bit better than everybody else. We're not way above everybody else, but we're just a little better than them. So never let pride be my guide. In other words, don't be driven by selfish ambition. James 3.16 says, For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. You know, it's amazing what your life could accomplish if you don't care who gets the credit. If you say, I don't care who gets the credit, we just need to go ahead and do this, and you will discover that you have this opportunity to be united with people. Don't be a glory stealer. Be one who is always giving credit to Christ or credit to somebody else. Paul put it this way in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. He says, but when you follow your own wrong inclinations, your lives will produce these evil results. And here's a list. Hatred, fighting, jealousy, anger, constant effort to get the best for yourself, complaints and criticism, the feeling that everyone else is wrong except those in your little group. That's Galatians 5, 19 to 21, the Living Bible. Here's the second thing. You have and must avoid not only selfish ambition, 
but vain conceit. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Uh, That would be the Living Bible translation of Philippians chapter 2, verse number 3. The Good News translation says, don't do anything from a deep desire to boast. Now, I love how that's put together, right? Because this tends to be something that is very subtle within our lives, right? Uh, we could do something, and it's almost like this cheap desire to boast what we have done. It's like, oh, hey, did you notice, Pastor, I picked up that piece of trash out there in the field? Oh, you did a good thing, but you did it for kind of a cheap compliment or, or a cheap uh, gratitude. In Proverbs chapter 26, verse 12, it says, Any fool can criticize, condemn, and complain, but it takes character and self-control to be understanding and forgiving. I don't know if you have ever read Aesop's fables, but I love reading Aesop's fables. And Aesop said, the smaller the mind, the greater the conceit. You know, if you're doing great things for God, you don't have to brag upon it. Uh, You don't have to brag about it. Why? Because your works will speak on behalf of what you're doing. As a matter of fact, in Proverbs 26, 12, it says, do you see a wise man who's wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. So we've learned so far today, if we're going to live in unity, we must never let pride be our guide. Number two, we must be humble or we will stumble. In Romans 8, 37, it says, In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this about humility. Humility is to make a right estimate of oneself. Have you thought about how much your thoughts are about yourself? C.S. Lewis said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. As somebody else put it this way, it was pride that changed angels into devils. It is humility that makes men as angels. You see, God has us here on this earth. Not so that we can see how important we can become, but for us to make a difference in the lives of other people. Andrew Murray said, Humility is the disappearance of ourselves into the vision God has for our lives. In other words, we just blend into the background. We are following the vision that God has for us. You see, pride is concerned with who is right, but humility is concerned with what is right. Philippians 2.3 says, Be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves. James 4, 6 says that God actually opposes the pride, but he gives grace to the humble. It was Dale Carnegie who said, when dealing with people, remember you are not dealing with creatures of logic, but creatures of emotion. James 4, 10 says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. As part of emptying ourselves, we discover that Jesus himself emptied himself. Uh, That's the whole chapter that we're looking at today. You see, God doesn't get tired or doesn't get thirsty. But when Jesus came onto this earth, he wanted to identify with us. And so he identified with us by laying aside certain of his godly attributes. For example, in Matthew 24, 36, it tells us that no one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but only the father. We might wonder if Jesus was God, how could he not know everything as God does? We know that Jesus willingly set aside some things. You see, it seems that while Jesus was here on this earth, he surrendered the use of some of his divine attributes. Jesus was still perfectly holy, perfectly just, merciful, gracious, righteous, and loving. 
But to a varying degree, Jesus was not omniscient and omnipotent. He set aside those characteristics while here on this earth so he could identify with us. When we look at what this word is, the word is kenosis, it means the emptying of oneself. Jesus emptied himself, and oftentimes we focus much on what Jesus gave up, but kenosis also deals with what Jesus took on. Not only did Jesus set aside some of his godly attributes, Jesus added to himself that human nature. He humbled himself. Jesus went from being the glory of glories in heaven to being a human being who was put to death on the cross. Philippians 2, 7 and 8 declares that that he took on the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, in the ultimate act of humility, the God of the universe became a human being and died for his creation. That kenosis, therefore, is Christ taking on a human nature with all of its limitations. All of its limitations except with no sin. So if we want to live a life of unity, we must never let pride be our guide. We must be humble or we will stumble. And number three, we got to put others first. Now this is a tough one, right? Putting others first. Paul said this to the Corinthian believers in 1 Corinthians 6, 7. He said, the very fact that you have lawsuits among you means that you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Paul is in essence saying, set aside your rights for the unity of others. I love watching VeggieTales, and as you know, I have a, a son that has autism, and so I get to watch VeggieTales all the time, and, and nobody thinks it's strange, and I always say, well, I'm watching them with Seth. But VeggieTales, Tom the Tomato uh, said this, God wants us to put others first. You see, love is putting somebody else's needs before your own. In Philippians 2, 4, it says, don't be concerned about your own interests. You know, some want to be informed, but not really concerned. Put the concerns of others ahead of your own interests. In Luke 9, 23, it says, Jesus said to the crowd, if any of you want to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, this is some tall orders in order to live this life of harmony. But you know that living in harmony is actually commanded to us? In Romans twelve sixteen, it says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be prideful. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Proverbs 27, 2 says, Let somebody else praise you and not your own mouth. Let a stranger and not your own lips. Never let pride be your glide. Be humble or you will stumble. Put others first. And number four, ask this very important question. What did Jesus do? Philippians 2, 5 says, we must have the same attitude that Christ has. So acting like Jesus means that I surrender my rights. I surrender my rights to avoid most fights. I look at life from a whole different perspective. I look at it from the perspective of Philippians 2.6, that although Jesus was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. You see, some are looking for a reason to get along. Some are looking for a reason to justify why they're upset. What are you looking for? 
Number two, focus on how I can serve over trying to get what I deserve. When you look at Philippians 2, 7, it says, when the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and he took on the status of a slave. Now, this is unbelievable what Jesus did for our sake. He took on the status of a slave in order to be our servant. In Galatians 5, we are told that we're called to be free, but we're told not to use that freedom to indulge that sinful nature. Rather, we use it to serve one another in love. So I must surrender my rights to avoid most fights. Philippians 2, 6 says, Though he was God, talking about Jesus, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. You know, I discovered that some people are looking for a reason to get along, while others are looking for a reason to justify why they're upset. You know, both reasons can be found. If you want to find a reason to get along with somebody, surrender your rights. If you want to find a reason to justify why you're upset with somebody, demand your rights. But if we surrender our rights, we will avoid most fights. That's exactly what Jesus did. Although he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. Here's something else that Jesus did. He also focused on how he could serve others instead of trying to get what he thought he deserved. In Philippians 2, 7, and this is the message translation, it says, When the time came, he set aside the privileges of being deity, and he took on the status of a slave. Paul reflects this same kind of thought in Galatians chapter 5 when he says, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but don't use that freedom to indulge that sinful nature. Rather, serve one another out of love. So acting like Jesus means I surrender my rights, I focus on how I can serve instead of focusing on what I deserve, and then number three, I become willing to die to myself. Verse number eight of Philippians chapter two, and this is the New Century Version says, and when he was living as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient to God, even to the point of death, death on a cross being willing to die to myself. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not me, but Christ lives within me. You know, that's the tough one right there. You know, we are told to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. The problem with living sacrifices is we tend to crawl right off that altar. We may be sacrificing our our minds and ourselves at one moment, and then a moment later something happens, and all of a sudden we got off that altar and we said, I've got my rights. I want to encourage you today. There is a big reward for acting like Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 and 11 talk about that. Therefore, Paul says that God elevated him. That's talking about Jesus to that place of highest honor and gave him that name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will declare that Jesus is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Well, I hope today that you are striving to live a life of unity, especially with those that you love. You know, you discover that your relationships will be stronger when you no longer demand your rights. You discover that you will have this joy that you are spending time with other people. You discover that your relationships will be much more powerful and much more meaningful. Oh, I want to encourage you today. 
Be one who is willing to surrender your rights to others. I know this is tough. As a matter of fact, this is so tough. This is something that you cannot live out on your own strength. It is only able to be lived out as you are surrendered to the Spirit. When you say no to self and you say yes to the Spirit of God, you discover that He empowers you in ways that you never thought possible. Well, I'd like to remind you as we have the closing moments of the broadcast today that I'd love to help and pray with you. If I can pray for you specifically, would you send me an email at pastorcorbitz at gmail.com or you can send it to me at ccorbitz, C-C-O-R-B-I-T-T at hrcc7, the number 7.org ccorbett at hrcc7.org or you can call me at 757-421-7500 be happy to pray with you pray for you put you on our prayer list and if i can help you in any way feel free to to reach out to me so lord thank you for being with us today thank you for teaching us from your word how we can live a life of unity how we can live a life that brings praise to you and glorifies your name and help us to be filled with joy today by putting jesus first other second, and ourselves last. And Lord, may you get all the glory for what's going to happen in our lives today. Thank you to every person on this broadcast listening today. I pray a prayer of blessing upon them. I pray a prayer of encouragement for them today. I pray that they not be defeated by the enemy, but they walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.